Sometimes people can have a massive impact on our lives without actually being in our lives for that long. My guest this week shares a story that has that, international intrigue, and Italian food. This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. I'm continuing my quest to collect the craziest life experience people have ever had. Thanks so much for joining me on this epic journey. One person who fits the bill for crazy life experiences is Orlean Peterson from Idaho. See, Orlean won a $200,000 scratch-off prize last Friday, then won a $300,000 prize the very next day. Here I am with zero lottery wins, and she has two. That hardly seems fair. But Orlean, if you want to sponsor a podcast, just let me know. Of course, you'd already know about Orlean if you had visited my website, keithconradmedia.com, and signed up for my free email newsletter, The News SideQuest. It's a collection of stories you may have missed if you were paying attention to the partisan brick-throwing contest on the news, a side quest of the news, if you will. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to be listening. It helps new people find the show and the cavalcade of crazy stories continue without end. My guest this week is the managing editor for Ordinary Times and a great Twitter follow, Andrew Donaldson. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, thrilled to be with you, my friend. Now, I've had a, a number of international uh, travel stories. Like uh, I had uh, a couple of people who, who visited uh, uh, Thailand and uh, uh, another uh, friend who was in West Germany during the middle of the Cold War. That was, that was exciting. And uh, last week I talked to my friend... Uh, friend Dan about his uh, his couple of years in China. And, uh, you know, it, it's making me feel a little inadequate, uh, honestly, because uh, I think I've only been to Mexico and Canada. Uh, I was just listening to your list of places there. It's like, okay, Thailand, been there, Germany, been there. I lived in Germany twice. So I was just clicking that off in my own head, too, so I hear you. Um, now, I've been blessed. I've been around a lot. My parents were school teachers, so we traveled inside the U.S. almost every summer because, of course, they were out for the summer. And then when I went active duty military, I got to travel around the world. So uh, it's a blessing to get to do that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you also traveled to Germany. Now, was that uh, before or after the Cold War? So was it like a unified Germany or, or, or uh, was it uh, still divided? No, it... It was um, it was unified. I got there in 2001, right after 9/11. I got orders to go over to um, Frankfurt. They had actually closed the they were closing the base in Frankfurt. 9/11 happened, and we kind of had to stand it back up. Mm -hmm. uh, I was on active duty at the time, and we wound up. <laughs> in fact, I went to check in, and they're like, "Hey, I'm the new guy," and they're like, "We don't get new people." I'm like, "Well, here's my orders." Um, so it was right after 9/11. They had just done uh, timeline wise. They had just gone from the Deutschmark to the Euro. Uh, so they had just done the integration of the Euro to kind of give you an idea socially what was going on in the country at the time. Uh, Gerhard Schroeder was the uh, was the president of Germany at the time. The, if you remember, he was very against America at the time because of the Iraq war stuff. So oh, yeah. interesting political dynamic. Uh, the German people were always very, very good to us, especially the older Germans for obvious reasons. They thought the world of us and took very good care of us. Um, there was some certain groups of folks you had to watch out for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I had a wonderful, wonderful experience in Germany. Both times that I lived there, I lived there two different times, full time. 
and been through there many, many other times. And I have a great love for the German people and uh, wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Just a, a great experience. And, uh, you know, part of your Twitter persona is, uh, you know, food. And, uh, and that uh, plays a big role in your story in, uh, in your visit to Germany. We do the food stuff, you know, we do the culture and politics, and I'm the managing editor of one website, and I have my own side website, and then we do a lot of politics stuff and media stuff, so the food's really just something that I started doing on social media for my own mental health and well-being. I just wanted to do something positive, and people really respond to it, because mm -hmm. food's really universal, but it, it, it sounds like a cliché or, or some kind of a made-for-TV movie, but food really was an important part of my life story of why I'm like I am now. And that all goes back to being overseas in Germany and, and the people there and how that all worked. And um, I really appreciate you letting me tell a little bit of that story because I think it's a good story and it's certainly one of the most important stories of my life anyway. So what happened was uh, everybody has their favorite restaurant, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Especially if you like Italian food. I like Italian food. We, uh, we have some married-in Italians up in the Youngstown Donaldson crew. Um, so we, we like our Italian food. So everybody has their Italian restaurant, just like the Billy Joel song, right? Well, my, my Italian restaurant, my favorite restaurant in the world is actually in Germany. It's run by an Italian guy. He goes to Italy every couple of months. Um, my buddy, the Piramali family, uh, in Vixhausen, Germany, right outside of Darmstadt. Darmstadt used to be an army base uh, to the east of Frankfurt. Um, and what happened was uh, I was in a really bad part of my life. Uh, I had actually just came back from getting sent to uh, um, something I don't talk about a lot, but I actually got sent off to ADAP, which is the military version of rehab. Um, because I had let uh, a drinking problem kind of take over my life, but I was fortunate and had some people that loved me and did some tough love for my supervision, and they saw to it I got some help for myself. When I got back, my supervisor, whose husband was active duty army and was deployed to Iraq at the time, uh, basically moved me into her house to keep an eye on me because I wasn't allowed to drive and some other things like this. So she's watching me. Well, the little neighborhood, her little neighborhood restaurant was Il Trullo, uh, you know, Giulio Piramali's place, and we would eat there all the time. And he just really became a really good friend. And it, it's interesting. Um, try explaining to an Italian that you can't drink. <laughs> Do it to an Italian who can't speak English. So he was trying to explain, like, no, he can't drink. So he got it in his head somehow. This is just the quality of the guy. He got it in his head. He was going to design a non-alcoholic shot for me so we could toast each other. And it oh, wow. became this on-running thing for months on end of the most god-awful fluids that you've ever ingested into your body in your life. And I'm a drunk. I've drunk some funky stuff, okay? It was awful. And I'm trying to just be a trooper and put it down. And then he'd, he'd shake his head and giggle and go like, no, he no like, he no like, and he just giggle and go. I think he just enjoyed torturing me, to be honest. But this <laughs> is the sort of guy he was. And it became a thing where, you know, as I, you know, got my career back together, I, when I became a supervisor myself, I started bringing my own troops there. We, when people's families would come to visit, we'd be there, and it just became a part of our lives. The neighbor, it's a neighborhood joint, so every time you go, it's the same 20, 30, 40 people in the neighborhood there. Mm -hmm. It's not like a place, this is actually like a one-way street, you can't even park in front of it. When we drove to it, 
because um, you know public transit in Germany. When we drove to it, you'd actually have to park at the bank about three blocks down because there's no parking because it's just a one-way street with a bus stop. This is the kind of place like you you can't find it unless you're looking for it, sort of deal. So thankfully, I got to eat there all the time. And then I eventually left Germany, came back to the States for a couple of years. I got reassigned back to Germany in 2008. Now I have my own family and my own kids. And I had this horrible realization pulling up to the restaurant that first time I took him. And I went, oh, no, what have I done? I have built this up to my family for five years as the greatest invention since indoor plumbing. And <laughs> there is no way. This could ever, because I've just built it up as the biggest thing ever. Like, it, there's no way it could ever live up to it, right? And I've built it up. And I was like, oh, no, God, what have I done? I'll never forget it. I walked in the door, and it was this real little narrow entrance because it's in like a kind of a shopping plaza thing. There's a apothecary, a, a uh, pharmacy right beside it, and then there's a uh, actually the butcher that services the restaurants on the other side, and it's like a breezeway thing. You go in the door, you take two steps, it's the bar, and you got to go around the bar to get to the restaurant. I'm not even through the door, and I hear this clanking noise. And I look up, and on the other side of the restaurant, Julio has set down the tray he had really hard and stood straight up. And the noise of it got my attention, and he threw his arms straight up in the air and started yelling things in Italian and ran across the restaurant, threw his arms around me, and gave me these big old man kisses. Don't do this in America. It's okay over Caesar. Gave me these big old man kisses like, oh, I missed you. Did it. Starts just slobbering all over me. He was so thrilled to see me. His kids were the same age as mine. My children went with his children. They ended up actually just going to their house and playing video games. We were there like three, four hours. He feeds us, and it was just like going to your, your grandma's house all over again. This is the quality of people you're dealing with. And it's the same people that have been there for years. Um, he remembered us. It's always funny because his wife's actually Polish, and his mother-in-law's Polish. And he's Italian, and we're Americans, and we're all trying to order Italian food in German. So the, there's never really been a conversation <laughs> other than pointing and grunting at menus and foods because you just can't, there's no communication there. But I've got all these pictures of just hours and hours and hours that we would sit in the restaurant or sit out in the beer garden outside, the outside area if the weather was nice. There was nights, if we were there too late, we would just go to his house and spend the night at his house. He'd just, oh, just come stay at the house, long drive, stay at the house, just stay at the house. Um, there's the, the real notorious time we went to, uh, his daughter had a birthday party on a Saturday. He said, come, come to a restaurant, birthday party, big birthday party for Catalina, his daughter Catalina. And um, in true uh, style of people that can't communicate, there was a sangria issue, which meant everybody that went by the sangria, the Polish folks going by the sangria bowl added some alcohol. And then the German folks walking by would add alcohol. And then the Italian folks walking by added alcohol. And then the Americans would walk by and add alcohol. And none of them communicated with the other that there had already been an increased level of the alcohol. So by the end of the night, we were all sleeping at his house because nobody could drive. These sorts of things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm the only sober one of the bunch because I can't drink anymore. So I'm like, well, we'll just spend the night. The, these sorts of things, you just can't... Um, you can't make things up like that. And it's amazing how universal, I come from a very large family. We still get together, on, well, before COVID, we'd get together the 4th of July and Christmas was our two big get togethers. And they would, and it's always around food and family. And it's amazing how universal uh, those things are amongst good people. And it doesn't matter the language barriers, it doesn't matter the cultural barriers, it doesn't matter the, the international politics going on at the time. We, there's a family that lived 
um, I remember at that birthday party I just talked about uh, was about the time uh, Russia had gone into Georgia, if you remember, the nation Georgia, not Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Right. And there was a family there that were Georgians. And I'm sitting there talking to them while this is going on. And I'm like, hey, when I was in Iraq, I moved a Georgian unit. The Georgians were in Iraq with me. And I'm, I'm so sorry that we're not doing more to help you. And this, you know, things like that. And I'm having that conversation in Germany with uh, Georgians. You know, it's, it's those experiences of traveling outside of the country that just give you perspective on how humanity really does have universal things to it. Family, countries, communities. It's, it's an amazing thing. And, and I'm so thankful to have those opinions. But um, it leads me to, and I'll, I'll let you kind of set it up, that restaurant in Vixhausen, Germany, the Piermont, it's all the food writing. I'm 40 years old now. I will never have a better meal experience than I had at that restaurant. And it's one of my favorite memories of my entire life. And I'm just so thankful for that place. So I think the really cool takeaway from all that is, you know, at that time in the world, there were, you know, a few things going on uh, both times that you're visiting there that maybe Americans weren't the most popular people in the world. Uh, but you showed that, you know, the, the people themselves, they still were friendly and, and, and wanted to get to know you. No, absolutely. And it's a lot of, you know, they just have pride in being hospitable and representing themselves and their, and their own cultures and their own, you know, it's it, one thing that's very different in, in European places. Uh, we've gotten used to chain restaurants in America where they just kind of try to hustle you out as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. It's not like that in Europe. When you when you take a table, that's yours until you get up and leave and they treat it as such. Um, and then even the other patrons, not just the, the restaurants, the, the people that visit that place day in and day out, they take pride in it being their place. That's, that's where we drink. That's where we eat. That's where we get together. So it just permeates everything and becomes its own little community. And, it, and it's wonderful for people to be like that. And it's something that, you know, we, you have the macro politics and then you have the micro politics of the local communities where things are a lot more relative to everything in the world it's just like you know your small families you can get along with people you disagree with but some stranger on twitter will you know send you death threats if you don't agree with them <laughs> same thing there you you have um you if you're something my dad told me years ago he's like it's really hard for people to fuss and fight and argue when they're eating together that's one reason why I do so much food stuff. If we're, if, if we're sharing that commonality, it's a lot harder to hate each other and to be angry. So I just, I think it's an important lesson and I love it. And it leads into, you know, why the, one of the best meals I ever had in my whole life was at that place. To tell the story, um, we, my mom and dad came to Germany to visit me and my family and the, uh, Frankfurt Airport's about, a, about an hour and a half, two-hour drive from where I was stationed uh, the second time I was there. Um, so I called Julia up, and I was like, I want you to meet my father and my mom. I had built them up to them just like I had my own family. Mm -hmm. um, so I told him, I was like, I, w I just want you to meet him. And uh, he, he, he said, well, it, this was going to be on a Sunday. And he said, well, I'm going on vacation. The restaurant's closed. He was going to Italy, he went several times a year to Calabria and went home. And I said, well, I was like, I don't want to bother you. You don't have to do anything fancy. Can I just stop by your house? It's a couple blocks down. I was like, can I just stop by your house? Can you? Can they just meet you? I just want them to meet you. 
He said, of course. So we, we go, and it's like 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I'm almost there. I'm getting ready to get off the Autobahn, and he, he calls my handy, my cell phone, and he goes, uh, come come to restaurant. We have Milch Cafe, you know, the coffee and milk. He had the at the restaurant the old school uh, coffee and cappuccino machine that looks like a space station. You know, mm-hmm. the thing's huge. It's like, you know, 28 feet long, and, you know, it has to have a sticker to go on the lake, kind of a boat-looking thing. The thing's huge. He's like, come to the restaurant. We have a coffee. We have good coffee. He's like, okay, we'll come to the restaurant. So we go to the restaurant, um, and they're already there at the restaurant. There's nobody there. It's a closed restaurant. The chairs are on top of the tables, all this kind of stuff. So we just kind of sit at the bar area, and they're serving coffee. He goes, well, we need a little bit of food. So um, he said, I cook up a little food. I was like, you're going on vacation. Don't worry about it. He said, no, no, no. We cook a little bit of food. I swear it took me about 45 minutes before I figured out what was happening, but all of a sudden his brother's there. His brother did all the cooking, and then he did the front of the house where he served and all that. And then Chazar, his son, who's the same age as my oldest daughter, he's at the bar, tending bar, like he did every night. And then Renata's there. That's his wife. She's there all of a sudden helping cook out. And then I start looking around, and I realize people are filtering into the restaurant. And it's the same 20, 30, 40 people that are always there. It's all the locals. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, the whole restaurant's full, and the restaurant's open. And then he starts laying out food all the way down the bar and the two tables on the end, he had like these banquet tables that they would bring out for special occasions. Um, this massive spread of foods laid out. We were there all day. This is a day he's leaving to go on vacation. He put his vacation off a whole day. We were there all day. We had this massive breakfast spread. I've got pictures of it. I'll, I'll put on my social media of, you know, eggs and meats and what Germans call sweet breakfast. You have cold cuts and breads and eggs and things like this. Um, then we ended up having lunch there. We ended up having dinner there. We were there till eight o'clock that night. All the community was there. He had called all the locals. Hey, we're going to open the restaurant. You know, and Andrew's coming. And I, asked, I was like, why did you do this? And he, he said, he just looked at me dead serious. He says, your father's here. We honor your father. Well, of course we do this for your father. Your father has come. And, and of course, in that culture, and he's a real old school Italian guy, you know, the idea that I would bring my father just to meet him and my mom was such an honor to him. He called up everybody in the neighborhood that comes to the restaurant and they all wanted to be a part of it. I mean, just think about that. And then the, the highest compliment he could have ever gotten from my mom uh, my mom's like, this is just like being up yonder. Up yonder's the picnic shelter I'm always writing and talking about where my family gets together on the 4th of July. And it's like, it's just, it felt just like being it up yonder, except nobody speaks English. You know, it's just one of the greatest compliments <laughs> you get. Think about the arc of this, and, and it's weird to have this big poetical existential thing over a meal, but think about this. My mom and dad, who grew up my dad grew up poor my mom grew up in this abusive poverty thing that the english language doesn't have words for the ninth of ten kids for them to grow up and then 60 years later to be sitting in a restaurant as the honored guest because their son had befriended this guy who was just helping him out because he was at the lowest point in his life and was trying to learn how to live again Mm -hmm. and then they want to honor them and then for my mom to think it's just like her family back home that she grew up with Think of all those intersecting lines just over something simple as being hospitable to a guest. And my kids still talk about that place. They talk about um, my two youngest, my youngest daughter, Isabella. He would go up to my next youngest and go, Buona Bella, meaning beautiful baby in Italian. And she'd get mad and slap and say, like, I'm not Bella. That Bella pointed at her sister. That Bella, I'm not Bella. You know, stuff like that. They, they to this day, still talk about things like that and how, how meaningful that place is. My mom and dad 
they talk about all the places we took them in Germany. They always start with Julie. It's like, hey, remember you took us to that restaurant that wasn't even open and they had the whole community show up and gave us this big banquet? Um, that is the good stuff in life, man. We get so wrapped up in politics and this, you know, the, the person of the day on social media and whoever we're dragging in ratio. That's the good stuff. Here I am telling you this story, you know, 10, 12 years later, and I can smell the food. And mm -hmm. I can see the sincerity in his eyes when he tells me, we honor your father. Your father's here. Of course we, you know, he's almost offended. I even had like, of course you, we would do this just like it was par for the court. You want to talk about greatest stories ever? I, I, I've met celebrities. I've been around the world. I've seen some amazing things. Th those are the stories that are special to me because you can't create something like that. Hollywood can't make stuff like that up because the inherent goodness of people when they get it in their head to be good to other humans is just one of the most special things we have in this life. And I'm always happy to talk about it. And I love it and I appreciate it. And I can't wait to do it again. I hope to get back to Germany and do it again with him again someday. Have you uh, kept in touch with him uh, over the years? I have. Um, in fact, his son was, uh, I saw his son a while back. His son actually spent years an exchange student here up in the Langley area. Uh, uh, I had to keep an eye on him though because he had a crush on my daughter for the longest time so we had to keep him <laughs> arm's length because uh, you know, Chazar thinned out and grew up and turned into a pretty good looking guy but I know how his dad is so I was like hey yeah you're friends from a distance um, but no hey, I've, I've kept up with him uh, uh, in fact I've used his picture I, I, I wrote a piece about uh, of all things I, I wrote a piece about um, my uh, local Italian place here in the States, uh, they trolled me pretty good about ordering ranch with my pizza. And they gave, I told them I wanted a bunch of ranch because I got all these kids. They literally gave me a half gallon milk jug of ranch as a joke just to kind of make fun of me. Um, and did that and then said some stuff in Italian that I don't understand, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't uh, compliments. <laughs> uh, and I actually used Julio's picture on that piece I was talking about. I was riffing off the Billy Joel song, you know, bottle of uh bottle of red gallon half gallon of white and i wrote about it i actually used julio's picture for that i was like my own italian restaurant this is the kind of stuff he would do he'd give you a hard time about it so um think think about having a lifelong relationship and i'll have that relationship all my life um mm -hmm. whether i see him again or not i hope so somebody i can't even really talk to we can't communicate very well but um, because of the common humanity of food and things, yeah, we've kept in touch. And uh, the kids all, the kids and his kids are all friends on Facebook. They're all older now, teenagers and young adults. Um, and they'll always be friends on Facebook. So it's a beautiful thing, ain't it? Well, I feel like if everybody had that uh, sort of experience, uh, we wouldn't have any wars anymore or anything like that. I don't know about that because... Um, some of these poor people, uh, I like gorgonzola on my steak. Try going in there and getting ketchup. They might get violent with you. Um, oh, that's they're true. Italians. There's, they're, they're, there's still some red lines you can't cross with our Italian friends. So. <laughs> like, like getting no, uh, right. ketchup on a hot dog here in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm a cheese and ketchup guy on a hot dog. but And I grew up just south of what they call the slaw line in West Virginia, where, you know, certain parts, if you get anything other than slaw, you're just a heretic. But that's okay. It's way down the list of my sins in life. So I hear you. <laughs> Um, let's not even get started on pizza because you're a Chicago guy. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, what, what do you, you only got so much bandwidth, mm -hmm. you know, what are you going to spend it on? If, if you spend your bandwidth on good people, you'll tend to always find at least some good in people, if not the good people themselves. And that's just a great example of it is like, you know, I 
totally accidentally just through relationships through the relationships of other people you find something that wonderful you know yeah. spend your bandwidth on that good stuff and, and then you can you can still have your little fights over food and uh who does and doesn't drink and things like that and the infamous sangria bowl incident where you know the german the germans added some liquor and the italians added some liquor and then the poles all added some liquor and then the americans added liquor and none of them told the other that they had done that and then everybody ended up spending the night at the restaurant because nobody can drive mm -hmm. uh you know so humanity is a beautiful thing man especially when it's well fed well thanks so much for sharing your story andrew Hey, anytime. Uh, I, I love what you do with this, and uh, I'm a fan of it, and I greatly appreciate your time, and uh, let's do it again sometime. If you think you can top Andrew's story, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com. Gabatron?